Good morning, church. Good to see everybody from way up here. I can see the top of people's heads and all kinds of... Uh, well, never mind. We won't go there. Uh, I, I, uh, I know Ben and a host of other peoples who, people who worked hard putting this together and still be doing a lot for the Christmas drama. Thank you ahead of time. Kim and all your crew and everybody that's involved in that, putting that together. It's going to be a great, great uh, event. Our Christmas program will be a great thing to invite people to, get folks in here to share some time with us. So I, I really do appreciate that. You can go ahead and turn to the book of Proverbs. Uh, we're working out of that. This series is called In God We Trust. And so uh, we're going to be dealing with that. You know, the, uh, a proverb is simply a brief a particular expression of truth. It doesn't state everything about that truth in Proverbs when it says something, but it points you in the right direction. It's written where it's learnable guidelines for selected behavior. It was, uh, well, Proverbs is Twitter before Twitter, you know? I mean, it had the short, memorable things, and it's written that way. Uh, uh, from an Old Testament viewpoint. And so uh, it's written in couplets. Usually it has things, if you do this, this happens, or do this, but don't do that. Those kinds of phrases are used to this type of literature. And one of the emphasis is wisdom. Now, wisdom to the Hebrew uh, wasn't an intellectual attainment. Wisdom was the ability to make godly choices in life. And so when they looked at somebody to decide that they were wise, they looked at someone that over a period of time They had shown in their life where they made choices, godly choices, followed godly principles over a period of time and how it affected their life, and you would say they gained wisdom. It all starts in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. This is the theme of this whole book of wisdom, where he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The reason this thing is the whole theme is because, look, when you're trying to live right... You listening? When you're trying to live right, the first thing you have to do is have a reverence and fear and respect for who God is and what He's done for us. And I think one of the things we struggle with in trying to learn to live right today is the fact that we don't fear God and reverence Him the way we should. He is the creator of the universe. He made not only the universe, He made you and He made me. And guess what? That means He knows best how I should function in life. So I ought to listen to His words real close and follow them to please Him. Now what happens, we live in a world that's, that's just all so mess. We worry about everything. One of the great things I like about this particular chapter and three that we're in is it's going to, it helps us solve some things about worry. You know, worry is one of those sins that is an, it's an acceptable character fault in our culture. Even though it causes physical ailments, it causes emotional problems, it causes spiritual problems, yet still we'll rebuke each other for other sinful things, but we'll join right in with the conversation on worry, right? And we live in a culture that worries all the time. If you don't think so, just take a, just take a peek on Facebook. Look at all the concerns and the worries that are out there in people's lives. Uh, just, have a little, just, uh, just listen to the conversations about our election that's coming up. You think there aren't some people? How many of you are worried about that? 
How, how many of you just lied about that? You didn't put your... Okay, never mind. Yeah, there, now I'm not saying we should, shouldn't care or be concerned, but worry? Look, if we get all messed up in our own lives with worry and we're weighed down with burdens, then when we're out there with the world, they don't see anything different in us than they see in themselves. And yet we're supposed to be the light and salt in this dark world. So we cannot afford to respond to things the way the world responds. Well, how do you find peace in the midst of chaos in the culture we live? Look at Proverbs chapter 3. Let's read verses 1 through 6. And we'll concentrate on 5 and 6 here in just a minute. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. I like that. Length of days and years of life. Last week I had a birthday. I'm adding years of life. I turned 60 last week. So I was looking for the handicap ramp up here to come on stage. Uh, Couldn't find it. Uh, And so somebody asked me, they said, Mike, what are you you hoping for now that that you're 60? What are you looking for next? I said, 61. Uh, I mean, you know, that's that's the next step, right? And they said, yeah, but you know, you're getting older. And and matter of fact, the other day I'd been playing some racquetball or something. My my back and my, my my leg was bothering me real bad. Somebody... Had somebody had the gumption to say something about that it might be my age. Now look, I know better than that because my other leg is the same age and it wasn't bothering me a bit. All right? Years of life, do they get at it. But then he says, I love this peace. Oh, do we need peace in the culture in which we live in. And you look around in the world, they don't have any peace. Now look what else he says. Is, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Some versions are going to say, well, this word kindness is the word hesed in the Hebrew. It's the word for loving kindness, or sometimes it's even translated mercy. But it's an action we have toward other people. It's how we treat people. You, can, you wrap that around your neck, he says, this thing of kindness. And truth, this is the idea of something being firm, or some versions will say faithfulness. Something solid there you can hang on to. He said, those you bind around your neck, you write them on the table of your heart, so you will find favor and good repute or a good name in the sight of God and man. He said, look, when you treat people with kindness and and you treat people in in, in a good way, here's what happens. So he's talking about this relationship with other folks. We have peace. We have long days. And then he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll make your paths straight. There's four, he gives us four actions here, four verbs in this text. First, he says, trust. And he says, do not lean, acknowledge, and make straight. The first three ones are our part. The last one is God's. We make a decision here to do this. This is a choice. Now, Trent talked about trust last week. Trust is just one of my trust is when we mentally and emotionally throwing oneself down, face down on the ground, casting all of our all of our cares and all of our hope on God. It's that kind of posture that we take when we trust. 
We're not depending upon our ability to stand up to anything. We're laying ourselves down, face down to God, trusting God to take care of everything. That's the idea of trust. But then he says, do not lean on your own understandings. Now, the idea here is that you will not give first priority to your own perspective. First, get that. Now, we all have perspective. We all have understanding of certain things. But it's limited. See, sometimes we kind of get in this argument about, well, uh, we kind of get a bad rap. Christianity, I think, uh, sometimes say, you just have blind faith. You don't, you don't look out and reason. Well, look, we look out and reason. We trust. We see God's Word. We reason God's created the universe. He says you can tell that God exists by the creation. We can look there and have some understanding. But what, it's not a prohibition against intellectual understanding. It is a prohibition against intellectual arrogance. That somehow or another you can figure out how God will. It's not blind faith. But you, it's, your faith is not blind, but your faith has blind spots. By that, our perspective of understanding something is always limited. We do not see how God sees and works everything. So we always have a limited perspective. So to trust our perspective over God's is foolish. You have to trust God. You know, every, everybody always uh, comes up with this question from time to time in their life. You know, God, what's, God's, what's your will for me? Should I do this? Should I go to this career? Should I live here? What is God's will for my life? And sometimes we're trying to figure out what that is a lot of times. And, and, and we'll pray about that. And sometimes, you know, uh, someone will tell me, Mike, God told me this. God told me to do, do this. And, and that kind of thing. And that kind of, kind of verbiage kind of runs me a little bit wrong. I'm like, okay, how do you know that, you know? It's kind of like the guy that was praying about his diet and stuff you know and so he drove by the donut shop every sunday morning going to church and he said he, he just prayed god god if it's your will give me an empty parking space right in front of the shop and he said third time around the building god's will was made known to me right there you know well that's kind of how it is with us we kind of look for what we really want god to do for us God's will is mostly already revealed to us through His Word in terms of how we are to act and what we are to do. You see, we don't lean on wealth. We don't lean on health. We don't lean on government. We don't lean on self-understanding. Now look, I'm all for wealth. There's been times in my life I didn't have any money. Uh, matter of fact, I, I, was, I was thinking about this uh, last night. Uh, I saw Peggy's mom and dad are here, and uh, uh, when I was in uh, when I was in school preaching, they they supported me. They they, they sent me money every month, and uh, now they're here saying, I don't know, did we did we do enough or not? I don't know. <laughs> that, but uh, couples like that, that's what made guys in preaching school. That's what kept them feeding. You know, there was times I didn't have much. There have been times I've had didn't have money. There have been times that I have it. All things equal, I'd rather have it, right? I mean, uh, I have uh, I have a friend that on my birthday every year he buys me a he buys me a lottery ticket, and I'm all good for that because I you know I'll use the devil's money. I have zero problem with that. 
uh, wealth won't get you out of the ground. Wealth won't settle the anxiousness of heart. Wealth won't take away the shame or the guilt of your life. Matter of fact, it probably brings a lot more challenges in so many ways. Health, we worry about our health. We're designed not to be here real long. Yet we fight that thing in ourselves. But that's not where we're going to find hope and peace. Government, hey, there's the I'll tell you, after this election, all my problems are going to be solved. Right? That's not going to happen. It's not about that. No. Even when I do understand things about God, I only have a limited understanding. I can't lean on that. I can't rely on that as being the thing that's going to take care and give me peace and give me hope in this world. That's not going to do it. Now, somehow or another, as a church, we've got to ask the question. In our culture, whether election time or some other time, when there's chaos going on, how does God want us to respond? How does God want me to act as his child living in the times that I live in. You see, instead of asking the question, why is something What? Why is this working out? Why is God letting this happen? That's the wrong question. We don't need to say why. We need to say while. While this is happening, how does God want me to live? While we're in chaos in some situation, how does God want me to act and treat other people? How does God want me to use my tongue? How does God want me to use my opportunities? Because you see, look, the world has to see something different about us to have this thing called hope. I love this passage out of Romans. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. Look, the world is out there. They're all worried about elections. They're all worried about war. They're all worried about things that are happening. I'm telling you. God's family, the church, we have an opportunity to shine as a light in a dark world by how we respond because we're people, we are full of hope. We're full of hope. We're full of joy. Now look, if you're not and you've letting the world steal that from you, I say that's enough. Cast that, cast that worry, cast that concern on God and get back to having some joy and some hope about your life. Because when the world looks at us, they've got to see something different. They've got to see the church being different than how they respond. So that they should be asking, how can you have such great hope and peace when it looks like the whole thing's falling apart around us? I said, well, I'll tell you what. Let me share with you how you can have hope. Because the story of Jesus is what brings peace and hope. Look, last time I checked, God was still running the world. He's still raising up kings and taking them down and using countries and leaders for His purposes. He's still in that business. He's not gone silent. He's not gotten lazy. He's still working to make great things happen for the kingdom. And so this idea that somehow or another I'm going to panic over the over what I see that's bad in my culture. No, I'm not going to panic. I'm going to get more on fire for God because our message will be seen even more clear 
in a world full of trouble and in a world full of chaos. And they'll, they'll, they'll look at us and they'll say, you know what? Something's different. How can you have joy and hope? I love this last part of this verse. He says, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us. He lives in us. And He guides us. And we walk in His steps. And we have joy. One of the fruits. We have joy, right? And we have... I love this word hope because hope says that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. That whatever I'm going through that may be difficult or dark, there's something down there that's worth hanging on to. Hope. It's a beautiful word. And that's what you and I have, not only in our hearts, but it ought to overflow so that it splashes on everybody close to us. And they find the same hope that you and I have. How do we respond in difficult times? I'm not placing my trust and I'm not placing my peace of mind or my joy in the laps of in the laps of any political leader. That's not what they're there for. My hope is in the God who still holds the world in the what? palm of his hand I think sometimes God must get tickled as he looks down upon us when we get all so worried and worked up about something and he looks and he can he sees the big picture and says you know I just if they just trust you know they just don't see around the corner the great things that are happening I love that old song trust and some of y'all grew up going to church didn't you trust and obey For there's no other to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And that's what it takes. You and I make a decision to trust with all of our heart. We don't rely on our perspective. We we search for understanding. We work at it. But we stay intellectually humble. At all times, understanding our perspective is limited. And we trust in God to take care of us. You know what happens? He says, in all your ways. The word way there is the word for journey. It's not just behavior, it's journey. We, up the hill, down the hill, around the curve. The journey early in life when you're in college. The journey midlife. The journey when you're older. In all your journeys, you just keep acknowledging God. And the steps that you go about taking, He guides you and takes care of you. That's the kind of God in which we trust and put our hope in. I'm telling you what, that makes me, I can go to bed and sleep. I can rest my heart. I can relieve my anxiousness over life. Because I know who's got the world. In the palm of his hand.
Father, we love you. We thank you for the day. I pray for every one of us to be reminded today of this verse. That we will walk as your children. People are overflowing with hope in a world that seems to be so worried and conflicted about so many things. They need to see salt and light. Bless us to be that. Bless us, Father, to have peace in our own hearts and to share with others how they can find peace too through the story of Jesus. Thank you for the rescue that you brought our way. Thank you, Father, for taking care of our guilt and our shame, our sinfulness, and making us holy through Christ Jesus. We want to live for you, Father. And bless us to be salt and light in a world that needs it so desperately. In Jesus' name we pray with the help of the Spirit. And the church said, Amen. Amen. If you need that kind of hope today, you can find it right here. By responding, by being baptized into Christ, by praying with us. Whatever needs you have, you can, you can respond to those needs right now. While together we stand and we sing.